Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your ears do not deceive you. You have just entered the Cryptid Creator Corner brought to you by your friends at Comic Book Yeti. So without further ado, let's get on to the interview. Hello and welcome to Comic Book Yeti's Cryptid Creator Corner. I am one of your hosts, Jimmy Gasparro, and I am here with the writer of Eleutheromania. And uh, we are going to talk about that comic and going to talk about other things that our ne- our guest uh, has in the works, but uh, please welcome to the Cryptid Creator Corner podcast, uh, Anas Abdulhaq. How are you doing tonight? I am doing great. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm, I'm so excited to talk to you. Yeah, I'm very excited too, um, uh, because you have a comic that you um, reached out to me to check out, and uh, I was excited to get you on the podcast, especially after I read it, Eleutheromania. And I wanted to hear all about kind of your journey in comics and what led to creating this. You have a, you know, from everything I've seen, a very interesting story. You have your own podcast. Um, and you're active in the, you know, the the Twitter comics community. Um, and uh, so, yeah, let's just jump right in. Um, tell me a little bit about what led to you writing Eleutheromania. Um, well, it never really started as a, comic book. I, I, at first, I wanted to make it a short film, but I realized quickly that I had I didn't have the budget to put on a green screen and a, and a giant boulder and a giant wall and all of that. <laughs> so I thought <laughs> it would be best to just make it happen through another visual medium. Uh-huh. Uh, the story is like very personal to me, as you've mentioned. Uh, you know, it's, it's mostly inspired by my journey leaving uh, my home country of Syria and, you know, immigrating somewhere else. And it's just about the fear where you're so used to like a bad place that you've, you've, you've existed in and coming out and, you know, leaving these chains behind. It's, it's really hard to adapt and, you know, restructure your entire mindset. So I really wanted to touch on that. And, you know, I wanted Eleutheromania to be the first comic book that I released because it's so personal to me and it's very genuine to my story and who I am as a writer. Yeah, I mean I it's it's very poetic if that's the right word in terms of um you know how it comes across um in in terms of the the story of it it's it's almost more like poetry than uh than a strict narrative if that's mm-hmm. fair to say. No, um, it definitely is. And I mean, I, I think, you know, me growing up uh, in America, I, I don't, maybe I don't want to speak for, you know, all Americans, but I think it's very difficult, 
not having experienced the the type, you know, your home country being at war, um, yeah. whether or not it's a civil war or whatever the scenario is, to you know, to understand what it's like to get out, to leave, but also, you know, but also it's not just uh, oh, I'm 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 away. Good. <laughs> also that feeling of, you know, especially if you left when you were, you know, younger, it's, it's all you, you ever knew. Yeah. Um, and that's, I mean, that's this kind of the sense I got reading it where it's, oh, there's, there's things that I have to leave, or maybe there are things that are better, but it's, it, it's been your identity and your world mm-hmm. for so long. And how do you do that is the, the, the sense that I, that I got from it, a, a glimpse of what that feeling might be like. So I try to keep it as vague as possible because, you know, while my story may be very unique to me, the feelings that I experience can be applied in so many different scenarios. Like it could be a, a toxic job. It could be a, a, you know, a bad relationship. It could be a bad family or a household. So, you know, just leaving an, a home in any case mm-hmm. and breaking into a new, new territory and just trying to navigate through those uncharted waters it is a very daunting, daunting experience. And so those feelings are very general. They're very world, world, worldly, I guess. We all go through this at some point in our lives. Well, having to experience that fear of something new. But I guess what I was trying to like, the message that I was trying to send across was like, while it is terrifying, it's best to just like go through that rather than go back to your toxic bubble. Yeah, I mean, and you're right. It it doesn't have to be. It doesn't it doesn't have to be as leaving your home because of, you know, uh, because of a war, because of a civil war, because of a situation, whatever it it might be, or a natural disaster, you know, whatever whatever the case is. Yeah, it can be that big, or as you said, um, I, I think somebody who has a is in a toxic relationship or an abusive relationship or, um. It's, you know, uh, like you said, a toxic uh, job situation can understand that level of moving on to something new. Um, but there's still a part of you, whether or not it's healthy, that thinks about, you know, the situation or the the comfort might be the wrong word. But, you know, the, the it, is, it is a comfort in a way because it's what's familiar. And we're always afraid of change. We're always chasing the familiarity and the safety. And especially with everything that's been going on in the world for the past few years, everyone is so scared of change because of we, we've been facing radical change so fast. So yeah. it, it is it is applicable. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, 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 I loved it. I just thought it was a, a beautiful depiction of the things that, you know, you've been talking about. Uh, how did you. Before we go back and talk about your kind of journey to get to that point, a, a little bit more about Eleutheromania. Um, how, how did you get the rest of the creative team on board? How did you start out finding, you know, folks to work with? So, getting a book off the ground in in and of itself is a miracle at any point. <laughs> uh, but trying to tell such a niche story that might not translate very well uh, was harder. I I had to do a lot of convincing. I had to like really sit down with the artists that I worked with and just like explain exactly what I was trying to get across and what my what what I was trying to tell. And you know, I met Anton, uh, who's a good friend of mine, 
we we met, we talked about it. He was an artist, so I I loved his art style. He did these like very rough portraits, and he would you know I felt like his style would really fit for the first act, and so we decided to work together and get that off the ground. It was his first sequential work ever. He had never done sequential art before, and so okay. it was a learning curve for both of us, which I thought was very important for me to have because it really taught me how to script and panel in a way that would make sense to him, someone who has never approached that medium before. Right. But the pages turned out beautifully. And um, Mattia, on the other hand, I found through a Facebook group uh, called Connecting Comic Book Artists and Writers. Oh, okay. Where, yeah, I'm yeah. familiar with that. Yeah. I, I would just go through that like Facebook group all the time and always bookmark uh, interesting artists that I would love to work with someday. Okay. And he was on my list of bookmarks, so I decided to reach out to him. He was available, so we we hit it off and we got it off the ground. Wow. Um, and it's yeah, that's it's just amazing how uh, those things can happen, uh, despite the amount of convincing you feel that you might need. <laughs> <laughs> so well, let's so now now that we've we have that, let's take you know go back to talk about like how did you how did you get started you know reading comics like as you mentioned you grew up in uh from syria what was the access to comics like you know there and how did you kind of get started reading and what did you like to read so comics in syria i would say western comics never really uh hit, like crossed over to us okay we have our own like uh, magazines full of comic strips they're called majid uh, those I grew up reading as a child. Like I remember being five and four, maybe uh, reading my brother's old stack of, uh, you know, these comic strips. And they would have like these original characters, original stories. They were very funny. They were like all very slapstick comedy kind of. And I liked them. Uh, but it wasn't until I watched like the first X-Men movie when I was like very young that it just like blew my mind. It was my first introduction to anything, you know, in that realm. Okay. And I remember nagging on my brother. I was like, I need to read the comic books. I know there's comic books of this, these characters and I need them. And so he ended up helping me like uh, download a bunch of comics online. And I would consume those like relentlessly. I, I think I read like the first 200 or 300 or so issues from the 1960s all the way up to like the 70s. Just because oh, wow. I, that was the only thing that was available to me. And looking back at them now, I'm like, yeah, those really were dated and aged not very well, <laughs> but they were fun. That was that was my intro to comics. And did you, I mean, continue to read those, uh, you know, the the those like superhero comics, or did you eventually branch out? I started branching out not very long ago. I think about 2015 was the first indie comic book that I read. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. That was when I was already in Cyprus and I had access to actually buy comic books over on like online stores and get it shipped to me in Cyprus. And I remember buying Saga, Why the Last Man, and Sex Criminals. And oh, those, were, wow. those were my first indie comics. And what a great journey was that was. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, you know, some, some Brian K. Vaughan. Uh, and, yeah. Uh, Matt yeah. Fraction. Matt Fraction. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Not a bad place to uh, not a bad place to start. Um, oh, that's so funny. And so, <laughs> what was it though that made you, you know, want to write want to write comics? I mean, I know you said Luther Romania, uh, you know, started out at something else, but 
because you had an interest in comics, did you then pivot and say, well, if I don't have the budget to you know, film this, then a comic makes sense? Not okay. I it, it sounds you know it sounds wrong when you say that I, the comics book comics were never really a compromise for me. It wasn't just because like oh I don't have the budget to make it a short film or something like that. I did go to film school, but comics have always been like a love of mine, and I've always wanted to tell stories in that medium that was separate from films because comic books are such a like they're they're, they're very freeing. You know, there's no limitations. You can tell whatever story you want in any way that you want, and you can really play around with it. And I, I just love that about it. So while Eleuthermania did start off as maybe having done, having being, you know, made as a short film, comics was always going to be something that I wanted to venture into. It was just about waiting for the right moment, have the budget to hire artists and like collaborate with them because I wanted to like, you know, give artists what they're worth. And I didn't want to just like ask someone to work with me for free. So it took a lot, a lot of time for me to be in a, a state where I'm financially stable enough to actually be able to collaborate and, you know, commission artists for work. And did you start, um, like before writing Eleutheromania, Eleutheromania, did you, you know, start with writing shorter scripts, uh, you know, for anthologies, or did you kind of like dip your toe into the water of, um, of like of script writing comics or did you Funnily really enough, start? Yeah. Uh, my first comic book writing experience, I was actually hired to write a three-issue miniseries for a friend. Uh, so cool. whenever I tell my friends that I like, oh, I got a gig, like before I had anything released or anything written, they're right. always like, wow, how'd you manage that? Yeah. <laughs> so I have a good friend of mine, uh, Arkin Tiagi, who, was, who had created this concept for like a superhero team called the Alpha Council. And I, very, I, I love the concept very much. I like the characters. And so we ended up chatting and he was like looking for writers to script the story for him. And I did like a little audition where I sent like five pages of a preview and he really liked it. And we got it off the ground. And that was my that was my very first finished script, I would say. Yeah, that's awesome. And when was yeah. that? It was very fun. Uh, it taught me a lot about collaborating with like mm -hmm. an, an artist following their vision rather than mine. Like I'm telling their story. Uh, he gave me like a rough concept of what he wanted the story to go and wh what he wanted the characters to be like. And I basically built off of that. And really like fleshed out the world, did the dialogue, did the character development. It was very interesting for me. Um, superheroes are not something that I usually write. And, and like if I were to choose, I usually go for something more, you know, abstract, <laughs> as uh -huh. you can tell. So it was it was a fun exercise and just like learning your limits. Did you did, was uh, writing? Um, did you like take that on in uh, in university? Yes, that was like one of the main reasons why I went to film school was because I, I always wanted to write films rather than direct them or, you know, film them. Mm -hmm. uh, I just love writing so much from a very young age. I've always been like creative writing was my favorite class <laughs> growing up. And so I saw script writing as one of the classes in the curriculum. And I was like, oh, that's that's the program for me. Oh, nice. That's great. <laughs> uh, I, so how about it, not just you know writing and and you know writing comics uh in terms of being involved in the community and you already talked a little bit about how you you know met some of your you know collaborators through the one facebook group uh but you know you now have your your uh, the geekable uh podcast which i think yeah. you started uh i guess around may of last year if i'm not yes. mistaken yes. so what led to that and you know being involved in the the online 
comic community and being involved in a in a podcast. So I met my co-hosts back in like 2017. There was a small app called Comics Amino where it was like kind of like a kind of like Reddit where each like each um, fandom or something would have its own little dedicated space. Okay. And so I met uh, I met Nick over on Comics Amino where we would just like love to talk about comics and he was one of the few people that I really connected with because we both kept up with the weeklies and we had a pull list. And after the, the app, well, more or less died, uh, we stopped using it. We kept in touch and we've always just like had a very like a weekly phone call where we would just discuss what's coming out, what's happening. And one day I just thought like I would love to get a chance to talk to other creators and, you know, have a community, have a sense of community in the comic scene. And so we decided to make a podcast. and. You know, we were very fortunate to find success very early, I would say, because a lot of big creators took a chance on us and to come and to come on our show, which we kind of used as leverage to get even more creators on. Like I, I told Bob Quinn the other day, I was like, you were the first one to ever say yes to us. <clears throat> and then I literally would use his name in like DMs and be like, oh, we just had Bob Quinn on our show. Would you like to come on and be like the next guest? Right. And that would usually <laughs> and they would say yes. And then every message, every other interview, I would be like, oh, now I've had another person I can add to the list. So it just gave us like legitimacy, I guess. And like <laughs> really solidified us as an actual podcast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was going through, I mean, Bob Quinn was one. I was going through some of the other, um, you know, guests on it as I was preparing for our interview. I mean, you've had what? Uh, you've had uh, Cine Grace, uh, Kelly Thompson, uh, Art Adams. Yeah. Um, Christopher Sabella, yeah, Jim Zub. I mean, yeah, this is no, um, you know, like quick setup type of podcast. Steve Orlando, <laughs> Leah Williams. I mean, yeah, you've had some phenomenal guests on. That's uh, that's amazing. That's fantastic. We went, we, I, we went out of the woodworks. We really tried so hard. Like we, we were chasing after these creators to come on our show. Uh, we haven't had a guest in forever, but we're actually recording with uh, Declan Shalvey today. Or tomorrow, yeah. Oh, oh man, that's awesome. I mean, Declan, he, I would yeah, love. I love his work. Um, yeah, I think. Uh, I, I think. I think. I think my other co-host Byron O'Neill has been trying to get Declan on too. So that's uh, <laughs> that's awesome. Fantastic. Well, I'll try to connect if you want. <laughs> I appreciate that, uh, Declan, if you're listening. Um, but yeah, no, that's that's amazing. Um, so uh, do you like mainly go through like online you know, Twitter to try and track people down? Yeah, it's Twitter DMs, Instagram DMs. And the off chance that they're not very active online, I'll try to go through their website and do the contact form. Right. Uh, usually my messages go like, you know, they, they go unread. But on the off chance that they do get read, it's, it's always a blast. And it's always such a huge shock that they were even willing to come on our show. So it's been fun. It's been really fun. Are you ever uh, intimidated by any of the guests? Yes, every single time. I'm always <laughs> worried that I might just say, you know, say, say the wrong thing and offend. I had a rough-ish interview with Jim Zub, uh, where I ended up bringing up a topic that he wasn't very comfortable talking about, and I regretted it immediately. It was like uh, it was like a joke. I tried. I was just like a joke in passing. Yeah, but he decided to talk about it, and I felt so guilty. And I don't think he's ever gonna come back on our show after that. I it, it's hard. I mean, I'm the, I, I'm the same way. I feel, you know, uh, what I've been doing, I haven't been doing this for, you know, probably about the less than 
the length of time that you guys had. Our our podcast is fairly new, and but we're trying to, you know, cover as much as we can, and we like covering indie, you know, comic creators. But um, yeah, I, I feel the same way. Uh, it's always you know you just want to have a good interview. You want folks to be able to talk about what it is they you know they like and want. But you know you're trying to make it entertaining for the the people that are listening as well. It's a it's a it's a difficult dance sometimes, you know. Yeah. And we all and we do this without getting paid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, just because we like it or love it. I mean, <laughs> we must because we keep we keep doing it. Um, exactly. I mean, you know, right now, I mean, it's midnight where I am and early in the morning where you are. <laughs> <laughs> we managed to make this work somehow. Yes. Um yeah, it's it's incredible. So anyone listening to this podcast who hasn't listened to Geekable Go, they have uh, amazing guests and fun chats about all type of comic related um, topics. But uh, so what you know, do you still find time to to read the uh, the comics for the podcast or for you know fun, your own entertainment? And if so, what are you um, what are you into right now? So I've I've kind of dropped off. Um you know, trying to, to manage a full-time job, making comics and trying to get new projects off the ground while also doing Geekable, it's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. So I'm like about six weeks behind on comics right now. I usually try to get a day where I like just read as much as I can and just uh, catch up, but it's it's been rough catching up. Um, but when I do catch up, when I do get a chance to read, I, you know, I read a, a bunch of indies and I read a bunch of indie comics that are coming off on Twitter, like some of my, you know, co-creators and some of my friends that are sending me stuff. I always enjoy reading their stuff. Um, but from the big two, you know, I pick up uh, off, the, off the top of my head, Daredevil by Chip Zdarsky is like one of my favorite books coming out right now. Okay, nice. Incredible work. Um, also Loving Moon Knight by Jed McKay. Uh, you know, I, I, I pick up every single X book. <laughs> okay, I'm just a huge X Men fan. Uh, so that's that's always been a ton of fun. And I'm currently rereading Sandman after watching the show, and I was like, I need to re-experience this in like uh, the graphic novel format. So that's always been a ton of fun. Just, I, I it's one of my favorite books. Yeah, I just started the, I just started the Netflix show. I think I, I only got, I'm only two episodes in. I'm watching it with my my brother. Um, I have read all of Sandman before. Uh, he has not. And we're both uh, watching the show with me having the background, being very familiar with the graphic novels, uh, with the, the series, and him having not read any of it. Um, so it's it's been pretty interesting. But yeah, I think the, the, I think Sandman is you know probably my favorite series. It's Neil Gaiman. I feel like he has a Midas touch. Whenever he's involved in something, he just... He is who I, who, like someone I aspire to to be just a fraction of him. Like if I could get to that level of writing and story craftsmanship, I I would just be very happy. Like I I oh, yeah. I don't think yeah. I'll ever get to that level, but he is no. just on. He's 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 in, he's, in, he's incredible. Oh yeah, I, I just the, the the his comics, his books. Um, I, I've I've read or not read, but listened to a few audio books that he's narrated himself, which is a, a wonderful experience. <laughs> <laughs> Can't He's got a very soothing voice. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I can't recommend enough. Um, the graveyard book. Uh, was, oh yeah, is one of my favorites. But, um, yeah, I'm kind of the same way. Like I, I, I like to. My, I have a local comic book shop that's right down the street, and um, they kind of got me back into reading comics, which led to me trying my hand at writing comics. Um, 
so I try to support them and, you know, have a pull list, but, uh, yeah, it's like, it ebbs and flows as to when I can actually uh, read, you know, yeah. so I do the same thing. I'll pick a, a day, like a morning, if I'm up early before the kids are up and try and knock out, you know, some of my to be read pile, um, like <laughs> those two or three weeks ago, I was, I was pretty behind on saga and then I, I got all caught up. So, um, I was excited. I have not that. picked up saga since it returned from hiatus. I'm waiting for mm-hmm. it to be fully finished and then I'll fully dive back in Yeah, because I find that, that if I like miss out on an issue or like, I, you know, it takes me a while to get around to an issue. I'll completely get lost. I'll like forget what happened. So I need like a, re- a, a refresher. So I, I decided to just wait for it to be finished and then I'll pick the whole thing up. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I find it interesting thinking about writing comic. And I find it interesting comics that I, you know, really like, but find it difficult to um, remember what's going on um, that I think would read better in trade. And I, I'm always yeah. thinking about that. You know, things like... Um, uh, the nice house on the lake or another, not to pick on, um, uh, James, uh, Tinian, but, uh, department of truth mm-hmm. where I, I, and like, I love the work Martin Simmons does. Um, Aditya Bidikar's lettering is phenomenal. Uh, but, but I, I feel like sometimes like it's very dense and like this, you know, this would be something I'd love to go back and revisit and trade. And I think it'd be a different, and possibly a more, you know, rewarding experience. See, I think we've been kind of like uh, accustomed to a binge culture nowadays where we like we consume everything all at once mm-hmm. or like TV shows at least they come out once a week. So, you still have enough time for a refresher. But comics being monthlies, it can be hard to keep track of, especially when you're reading so many books. I mean, I'm usually picking pulling at least like 30 30 titles a month. Right. <laughs> so it's, 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 it gets really hard to keep up with everything. Um, well, well, look, I don't want to uh, keep going on for too long, but I before we we end, I wanted to talk about what you have coming up, um, which I believe is Etheris. Uh, and I, I saw that it's mixing poetry and prose and just, you know, tell us about that. So Etheris is, you know, my dream project. It's my favorite thing I've ever written. I cannot wait for it to come out. It's being illustrated by Dennis Men here, who is a phenomenal artist that I, I've become very, very good friends with over the, the course of us working together on this comic book. And it's being edited by Michelle Abinader from Extra Pages Press and The Color of Always, uh, who oh, has also become fantastic. a good friend of mine. Yeah. Uh, we managed to get DC Hopkins on lettering, which was a huge win for me. Oh, wow. Great letter. Great letter. Great letter. Yeah. Uh, I can't say much, but I did uh, recently sign a contract to get the book published sometime next year, which I'm really, really excited about. Um, You know, just the the thought of having my work be on comic book shelves is insane to me. So I'm I'm beyond excited for it to come out uh, and hopefully people will enjoy it. Uh, as, as for the story, it's about uh, a woman who is recently deceased and she finds herself in a realm where souls go when they don't belong anywhere else. When they don't belong in heaven or in hell, they're just kind of lost in the middle. And this realm is called Etheris. And she kind of navigates her way through this realm, uh, reliving her past, trying to figure out why she belongs there or why she believes she belongs there. And there's like this um, sinister feline creature that's haunting her, kind of in a very Cheshire Cat-inspired way. 
uh, guiding her through this realm to get to the to the finish line where she can finally figure out the truth. Uh, so Dennis has been doing, gosh, such beautiful work on this book. I can I cannot even tell you like the pages that Dennis has been delivering. Every time the new pages come in, Michelle and I are just sitting there in awe, like our jaws on the floor, just gasping for air <laughs> because it's so beautiful. So I can't wait for the book to come out for everyone to experience Dennis's beautiful work. Wow, that I I, I love the I love the premise of it. Um, I, I'm fascinated by folks that are doing you know different things, mixing poetry and prose. Um, I I like you know. I like that experience. I mean, I like I mean, comics is, you know, visual medium, but I like folks that are stretching it, that are doing different things. Um, yeah, it sounds like you've really assembled a fantastic creative team. So I can't wait. I can't wait till till uh, till next year. Uh, and that comes out. Uh, and congrats on um, getting it signed with a publisher. That's just wonderful. Thank you. I've, it's It's been a dream come true, honestly. Right. And it's giving me like the energy to pick back up and, work on more projects. I mean, besides Etheris, I had already done a one-shot that's completely not released or anything. I've been waiting for maybe putting out, I was considering putting it out after Etheris, but right now I'm reconsidering my schedule since Etheris is coming out in 2023. But I just very recently, actually, like as of this week, started a new project, a graphic novel with uh, Shadia Amin, who's an incredible artist. Oh, wow. Yeah, you're yeah. a, you're, you're a, man. You're really hitting it out of the park with collaborators. That's uh, <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah, I, I, you know, this this project is very out of left field for me because it's my first slice of life work, and it's very uh -huh. lighthearted and funny and bubbly. So I'm very excited to be working with Chadia on it, and hopefully, it sees the light of day. But you know, graphic novels take even longer than comic books, so I'm not very hopeful about it coming out for 2026. <laughs> well, whenever it comes out, you're always welcome to come back and uh, and talk about it. Um, I'm so glad we were able to uh, uh, connect besides the earlier technical difficulties we had before we uh, we started recording. <laughs> but um, uh, I, I can't thank you enough uh, for coming on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure talking to you and getting to know you. Yeah, and uh, anytime you want to come back, uh, please do. I'm going to tell. Uh, we'll put a we'll put links in the show notes so folks can check out Eleutheromania, and we'll be looking for uh, Etheris uh, next year. And um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I just wish you the uh, the best of luck, and uh, I I'm sure it's going to be terribly exciting. You know, when you um, get to see your your work on the shelves, that's amazing. Congrats! Thank you so much. I All appreciate right. it. Uh, for Comic Book Yeti's Cryptid Creator Corner, this has been uh, Jimmy Gasparro, and uh, thank you for listening, and uh, I will see you uh, next time. This is Byron O'Neill, one of your hosts of the Cryptid Creator Corner, brought to you by Comic Book Yeti. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of our podcast. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. It lets us know how we're doing, and more importantly, how we can improve. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of the Cryptid Creator Corner, maybe you would enjoy our sister podcast, Into the Comics Cave. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Galvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story 
about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg, but their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now 